Hi, this is Jonathan, and I play the human wizard, Jonathan the Magimuscular. Hi, I'm Jack. I play Trevancore, a half-elf Beastmaster Ranger. Hi, this is John. I play your half-orc barbarian, Carlton Tanks. Hi, this is Julia. I play the rock gnome cleric, Bernice Q. Burns. And I am Lauren, a.k.a. Obocrazy, your humble DM, and welcome to Dungeon Drunks. Distinguished adventurers last time on Dungeon Drunks, it is the morning at the Ember Shoulder Mine. And while everyone is safe for the moment, there is much to decide. Bernie and Carissa are headed to talk to the overseer of the mine, who is the only other person in the camp who knows about the secret path to the temple they're trying to reach. Meanwhile, Jonathan, Travancore, and Carlton explore their options for dealing with the Geese spell that Travancore is now under, as well as waiting for potential help and information to arrive, all while trying to keep an eye out for anyone trying to scry on them. And that is where we begin tonight. Welcome to Dungeon Drunks. I'm your DM, Lauren. You might know me as Obocrazy. It is still break ish time vacation ish time it's just past the new year i'm still enjoying hot chocolate and a little bit of baileys because it's warm and it's delicious and while i'm back on my diet again so this is like my one cheat thing for the day it is delicious and it makes me happy everybody is going to be talking about their drinks as well but what they're also going to be talking about is dungeon drunks are level 13 huzzah so, Carlton, what are you drinking and what are you excited about at level 13? Well, I've got another Agua Fresca. This time it is strawberry Agua Fresca and it is mm. phenomenal. As you, who I play with and you have a computer, you can see I already drank half of it and we are just now getting into our what are you drinking? <laughs> well, we did talk a little bit before this. Right. That's how good it is. And level 13. Level 13. Uh, I took another level in Barbarian. So now I'm a ninth level Barbarian, uh, level 4 fighter, which gives me access to Brutal Critical. So Carlton spent time communing with his ancestors to learn how to hit, make those crits hit just a little harder. And I'm going to add another damage die to all of my crits. So Jesus Christ. So an extra damage die for being do. a half-orc and an extra damage die for being a Brutal Critical uh, Barbarian feature, in addition to the extra damage die from being a Critical in general. So that's... A lot of damage dies. But that's what barbarians do, is they damage things. That's what we do. We hit and we get hit. Yep. You know, <laughs> I was trying to come up with a transition. I failed miserably. So I'm just going to say, yeah. Jonathan, what are you drinking? And how about you're a level 13? Hey, it's Jonathan. And I play Jonathan the Magimuscular. And tonight I am back on the Helper's Goodberry Sour uh, Mead from our good friend Goober the Great, at Goober the Great on Twitter. And uh, it is quite good. And I've been sipping on it for a bit. And tonight's Shadow Fireball to be consumed in the first casting of Fireball or the equivalent spell thereof is dedicated to one of our fabulous patrons, Megan. Thank you Yay! so much, Megan, for your support and continued patronage. This Fireball shot is for you. They've been one of our longest patrons, and they've also uh, contributed enough that uh, at one of our levels, so they got a character in the game. So if you listened to our Feywild arc, you would have heard their character, which uh, was a lot of fun to put on in. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And we might as well stick with the spellcasters, at least the capital S spellcasters, as we've been calling them. I don't know. Um, I believe Travacore is now also half of a capital S spellcaster. That's why he's a lowercase, because a lowercase letter is half the size of an well, uppercase. Well, no, because he's also part <laughs> druid. The ranger was a lowercase spellcaster. No, the ranger also didn't have any fucking spells. It does. Yeah, yeah it yeah. does. Not oh, yeah. enough. Not enough to kill. <laughs> oh, 
casting shade at the Rangers. Rangers and That's Paladins fine. are literally half casters, and then uh, and then he did add a full uh, capital S spell casting class. So is he a three quarter so, spellcaster? He's a yes. three quarter spellcaster. Three quarter spellcaster. You know what? We've talked about Travancore enough that I'm changing my mind. <laughs> Travancore, what are you drinking? <laughs> it's okay. I didn't. Uh, I didn't need to go through my level thirteen stuff. It's fine. You did, oh, okay. You didn't do that shit. Nope. Well, that's all right. Nah, so we're gonna go, go back. No, we're no, gonna. No, no. no, you'll figure go it back. out. It'll, it'll we're gonna fun. put the car in reverse. Hold nope. on, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, There's it's fine. More than one direction. Jonathan, talk about one thing you're excited about your level thirteen character. Well, it's more like I think everyone knows what a couple of spells that Jonathan the Metromuscular probably took, but we're gonna find out that there was one that he did take that. Oh, I didn't expect, and I don't think anyone else did. Well, maybe if you listened to last time, you might you might see this one coming, but we'll see. Uh, I will talk about hit points, though. Jonathan the Magimuscular has 101 hit points. Oh, hey, hold on. Let me, he finally yay. broke the 101. Let me write that uh, he, is a, he is a thick wizard. <laughs> oh, my God. I have to tell you about what's... Okay, I'm breaking this because I have to talk about this. I, I tweeted about this, but people might not know. So I play in a West Marches game with a whole bunch of local beer people here in Seattle, and I play a Aarakocra barbarian named Thelman. Thelman is a wild soul barbarian. So he is the unearthed arcana, which means every time he rages, he gets to essentially roll on his own special wild magic surge table. And he just recently became level three. And so this is only the second time that he has raged. And one of the things that you can get on the wild wild barbarian soul table is every creature within 30 feet of you suddenly takes a d10 worth of necrotic damage and you gain temporary hit points equal to the total number of damage that you did there were 11 creatures near me and i rolled a seven so thelman my level three aracoker barbarian with like 30 some odd hit points, like a good number of hit points, because I was taking the average, suddenly had 77 temporary hit points at level three. Nice. (laughs) I'm so swole. I'm the (laughs) swolest of birds. And with that... Oh my God, I'm just picturing this super beefy bird. (laughs) Oh, you don't have to picture. I will put it in the chat while Travancore... Wait, did Luke draw this? Luke drew this, of yes. Oh, nice. Well, so he drew Thelman before the swole, but you just have to see Thelman. Thelman is ridiculous. Anyway, Travancore, what are you drinking? And tell us a little bit about uh, your level 13. Good people of Faerun. Travancore's choice this evening is Down East Ciders, the unfiltered craft cider. And we're doing a live tasting because I don't know if this is a new entry in the Cider Wars or not. We probably had it at some point before, but I've never had this before. So it's new to me. Oh, that's really yummy. I love it. Oh wow! I'm gonna. We, you and I are gonna have a lot of fun together. <laughs> okay, so I was so tempted to take another level in uh, in Druid, and I probably will next time around. But I think this, the offerings for Ranger were just too tempting at this one. So uh, I'm also in the hundred Hundo plus uh, HP point club now, and I took a bunch nice. of spells. And Shadow got a couple of cool things as well. But uh, the thing that I want to talk about today is Conjure Barrage, which I believe both words are French in origin. So a third level conjuration. And apparently what happens is you throw a non-magical weapon or a fire or piece of non-magical ammo into the air and you create a cone of identical weapons that shoot forward and then disappear. And then each creature has to make within the 60 foot cone has to succeed on a deck saving throw and they take three die eight on a failed save or half as much on a successful. And the damage type is the same as whatever weapon you use. And I'm thinking to myself, Mortimer, or King of Prussia and I are going to have so much more fun together now. <laughs> Are you gonna barrage a fucking barrage of rapiers? <laughs> yeah. Like Jesus, I like it. Yeah, I think yeah, I think you can. It's my barrage. I can barrage whatever I want. 
Talk about shish kebabs. Right. <laughs> okay, now I love it. Now, now I love it. Bernie, what are you drinking? And tell us about your level 13. I'm drinking something I believe I have had before on the show, but I love it because um, friends brought it over for our New Year's Eve party the other night, and it is from Collective Arts Brewing, and it is their apple and cherry cider. So it's really good, and they left it in our fridge, and I love them for it. Cherry cider. Interesting. Cherry. It's fantastic. I like it because it's not overly sugary. Like, it's it's very, it's got a tartness. It doesn't, it's not artificial or anything. It's just beautifully tart and a little bit sweet. Yeah. And I am now a level 13, and I really did think about doing a bard, but I just kind of like the idea of going as far as I possibly can uh, as as a cleric. So... There's a lot of cool things you get when you get 7th level spells, like Firestorm uh, <laughs> and Plane Shift. Uh, you get to start moving a lot on different planes. That's actually what I'm really excited for for level 13 spells. One of them is Plane Shift. I can target specific destinations, but the other one I like, I'm really excited for, is Etherealness. Which basically, in the descriptor... Since as you step into the border regions of the ethereal plane in the area where it overlaps with your current plane, you remain in the border ethereal for the duration or until you use your action to dismiss the spell. During this time, you can move in any direction if you move up or down, you know, like everything you do, you're basically doing in both planes. And the best part about this is that uh, you're basically a ghost. You get to go in ghost mode. Uh, so I'm, I'm super, super excited for a reason to use that spell. I will tell you one thing, though. I am not quite at 100 hit points. I'm at 94. Hmm. Okay. You'll get there. Also, I'm excited now that we're all level 13. Our proficiency bonus has gone up to yeah, plus five. five. I am yep. like, I, I'm very excited that my spell attack is now a plus like 10. Yep. Having that proficiency bonus goes up like that is helpful, especially I'll say this for clerics, especially since I have a cleric that just went to level nine and you get nothing else at level nine besides you get level five spells and you get your proficiency bonus. Oh, I didn't notice that. Oh, my gosh. My stealth is so high now. Right? Yeah. When your proficiency bonus goes up, it's impressive. Yeah, it's really nice. So now that we've mathed, I think that's everybody, right? At level 13, we got everybody's. I I think that's everybody. All right. It is. The morning, as I said, you, you'd you had a chance to chat a little bit. It's actually a little later in the morning. You'd woken up pretty early. It is Alterac 23rd, if anyone is interested in what the actual date is. And as I said, Bernie and Clarissa have walked off to go to see the overseer of this mine. And the rest of you are kind of hanging out before we follow, before the camera follows Carissa and Bernie through this mining camp into the overseer's office. It's going to hang out with the rest of you for a moment. What would you like to do? You know, you've got a little bit of time before they come back and Bernie and Carissa are no longer in Rary's telepathic bond because of where they're going. So what would you all like to do? I am going to, uh, Jonathan the Muscular kind of looks around and and is uh he's he's loving these new equations that he has in his spell book. He's just like, ah, ugh, can't wait to try this out. Oh, now I remember. But Carlton, join me behind this tree over here. Okay, but when we're done with tree relieving ourselves on the tree, um it's also weird that you want me to help you relieve yourself. That's, that's not fine. what's happening, Carlton. 
we need to talk to the dwarves about inspecting the mines so we can build our alibi. Okay, we can do that, but come with me for a second before I before I forget. Wink. Wink. Okay. Wink. Wink. I, I wink my way over to this tree that Jonathan has conjured. Travancore, you watch your two friends wink at each other and walk behind a tree. Okay. <laughs> what would while All they right. go do that, is there anything you want to be doing before we follow the, the people having a moment behind a tree? I think Travancore is very interested in keeping up the pretense of inspecting the mine. So he's decided he's gonna take a piece of paper and he's gonna write stuff in a language he doesn't in Prakhanamese, basically. The only language he's sure the, the dwarves won't know because it's not native to this land. And he's just going to observe very quietly and he's just going to look things and nod and make noises here and there and uh, see if he can throw anyone off their game. Sure. Oh, and just so you look official, Bucks is going to land on your shoulder. With a little with a little clipboard. <laughs> because a yeah. tiny owl makes everything more official. He takes one a tiny little pair of like uh, like half-rimmed uh, spectacle or uh, yeah, bifocals like- and just like... And just sets it on his little beak. Oh, that would be so cute. Shadow, feeling left out, uh, immediately searches for a pair of spectacles. <laughs> <laughs> I need. Okay, we need to have all of the little animals need little little like reading slash accounting spectacles so they can all match. It'll be great. Coco's Except Shadow has not a little. monocle. Yeah, That's fair. Okay. Coco's new pulls a monocle out of you don't know where. Oh yeah, you have Coco Snoot with you. You have the entire animal menagerie. I forgot about that. So Coco Snoot is now wearing a monocle. You don't know why. Shadow is just He's a baron, please, acting like you don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Travancore, for the hell of it, give me a performance check. Give it at advantage because uh you are correct. There is nobody here from Perconum. You don't necessarily know that because, you know, you never know people from you never know, and there's no, like, physical identifiers of people from Prakhanam, but I will give you advantage despite that. Oh, dear. Performance anxiety. Oh, oh no. <laughs> oh, roll. buddy. All right, so the high roll is a four. <laughs> All right. Oh. We'll get back to you in a moment. Behind oh, no. The... I don't like that. All right, so you're wandering around with your little uh, piece of paper writing in Prakhanamese. Out of curiosity, what are you writing, or is it just literal gibberish? I think Travancore is going to method act this, and he is going to basically write mine stuff, but it's not going to be... But he has no real education in this other than the basics of how mines work and what they are. So he's going to like probably use like adjectives like miney and mine-esque and bituminous. <laughs> that looks very miney of you. <laughs> Those then, rocks sure are rocky. He's going to write not anthracite at least three or four times on that sheet. <laughs> I also like the idea that every once in a while he gets a little stumped, and so he just starts writing mine stuff, mine stuff, mine <laughs> stuff, mine stuff, over and over again. Oh, and he's going to write the ums, too. Um, mine stuff. Um, mine stuff. I just feel like the reason you fail this is in common. You go, sure looks like a mine to me, and then you're like, wait, that was the wrong thing to say. So the quiet part loud and the loud part quiet. Yeah, you yeah. Yeah. Which, which language did I just say that in? That is a real problem I have sometimes. I was going to say, sometimes <laughs> multilingual people have that problem. Exactly. And I think Travancore probably every once in a while does, especially with how many languages he knows. All right. So you are ambling around, writing mind stuff, being followed by a small animal menagerie. Uh, you do notice, your passive is high enough that you do notice a lot of people are looking at you real, really weird, but nobody approaches, nobody questions you. Meanwhile, behind a tree... You did this to us, Jonathan. You did this. I uh, I don't know what you're talking about. And I'm assuming this part of it is in the call or 
Actually, no, it can't be in the call if you want to keep it from Travancore, is it? Right. We're going to be talking out loud. That's why Drop they went away. Drop the call. Jonathan goes over to Carlton and be like, I'm, I'm going to go over this with this with Bernie, but you're going to have to be in on this too. Carlton, what are you currently holding? Like, stuff-wise? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you have your lantern. Do you? No, J- that's Carlton's lantern, or Jack's lantern. Oh, right. So I went with Carissa, or sorry, Travancore. I went with Carissa, Travancore went on his own. Oh, so we don't have a lantern. So I do not have the lantern of revealing. I, can I, uh, because John, we just had this conversation, so. That's why I said something, because I'm right. like, Jonathan would be smart enough to realize what's about to happen. You can kick Travancore from the call and just have it in your head. I think Travancore has to leave the call because I don't. I don't think I can just. I think Travancore is smart enough to know, like the more he knows about what's going on, the the worse off he is. So I would say that Travancore may have left the call earlier. Do because I was thinking, yeah. Do oh, okay. Never mind. Carlton and uh, and Jonathan. so you hear this in your head, Carlton, Jonathan. I have a way. A possible way. This is gonna. We're gonna have to go over this with Bernie as well, because uh, she may have something better in mind, or may have a different way to use this. I can modify someone's memory. That's awesome. Question for you though: Why did we have to go behind a tree to say this? Because I forgot that uh, Travancore could just drop from the call, and he just now dropped. So oh, okay, uh, it's fine. So, but yeah, here's what I'm thinking: We take the amulet. Yes, but we change. Travancore's memory that either he gave it to someone else or put it back in the bag. That's that's the part I wanted to workshop out was what do we want to modify it? Because I can take a little slice of his memory and either drop it like he just will never remember it or change it to something that we want him to remember. Part of the spell, like normally if you, if I, like let's say someone were to cast friends on us. Mm-hmm. We would know, would know eventually. Yeah. yeah, you told me that. The beauty of this spell is that he doesn't know. That's the whole point. Wait, did you modify my memory? Yes, Carlton. You son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to punch him. Uh, Jonathan? Oh my god, please punch him. I'm going to punch him. Is, I, I, I'm so excited for Bernie to come over and realize what you've done and go, eh. As as Carlton uh, decides whether he wants to punch you or not, I will say that, Jonathan, you do know of two spells that can restore a creature's true memories. Right. Both of these are spells that very recently, actually, Bernie has talked about casting on Travancore. It's it's an option. It is an option. And it, let's let's put it this way. If Bernie ever does have to you know, cast one of those spells on Travancore and then he remembers. Uh, it, she probably has a good reason to do it, so we have other shit going wrong. So. So, does a 14 hit your AC? Uh, no. Alright, well then I punch you, but it doesn't really hurt that bad. No, but, uh, no, that did not even close, so it, I just it, like... It just hits the mage armor. <laughs> it glances the mage armor. Why can't you roll that low with me, huh? <laughs> because I like Jonathan. That was Jonathan. with higher proficiency, too. Damn! No, you roll a natural raging. one, would you roll? It sounds like you rolled a four. A three or four. Mm-hmm. Uh, I rolled a five. Ah, okay. So, Jonathan, what if we combine your memory... Also, I want my memories back. I didn't really do it to you, man. I just literally learned this spell. Oh, okay. You know how the Modrons, like, are super good at building things? Like, my garden, all of our furniture. I see what you're laying down. You want to build another amulet. Make a replica. 
we destroy bad one, the bad one, the one with that's cursed, and then we keep the replica. So Travancore always thinks that we have the amulet. And if something goes wrong, then we have the spell as backup. Yes. Oh, that's a really good idea. All right. I love this. Hey, you know what? Maybe I can have them. Hmm. I'm wondering if I could. Who has the nut right? I think Jonathan the Magimuscular has the nut right now, right? I'm going to reach into the bag of holding and I'll be like, Travancore's amulet. And just so I can like, I'm not going to like flash it, but I'm going to like pull it so I can like look at it in the bag. And just to like kind of examine what it's made of. Yeah, Jonathan the Magimuscular is going to like take a mental image of it as well. We're going to kind of huddle and like close the amulet yeah. from prying eyes with our bot. But like, so it's still so in the bag. I'm so glad Bernie's not here because she would approve of none of this. I want right, a self so, like, check from Carlton. Yeah, so like basically. Actually, slide a hand. The, I'm sorry. I want to slide a hand from Carlton. So describe. I'll roll it in a second. But like shoulder to shoulder with Jonathan, our backs like kind of hunched over with the bag like by our guts, just pulling it out. So like. We're kind of covered because we know that there's Wait, sensors. Wait, are your are your tummies blocking it? I got a big tum tum. Jonathan actually, Jonathan Magic Muscle actually doesn't have a big tum tum. No, but he doesn't. He's, he's got like he's got one of those. Um, it looks like a belly, but it's all muscle. It's one of those like big, oh, ab, big ab. One of those like, lifter bellies. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, thirteen for sleight of hand. Okay. Yeah, so I'm just gonna kind of examine it with car, uh with Jonathan, not fully pulling it out of the bag, trying to cover it up with our bodies as much as possible to see. All right, is it, like, what kind of metal, or is it, like, stone? Like, what is this? Okay, so in the brief moment that you pull it out, it's a metal amulet. It is on a chain, but I think the last time you examined it, you figured out that it was just the amulet itself that is magical. The, the chain itself is a, is a device to wear it. While, while I pull this back up again, so I make sure that I describe this in the, the same way that I did the last time, uh, go ahead and, and keep talking. So you pull it out, you both kind of take a quick look, and then you put it back? Yeah, so I'm going to be like, all right, Jonathan, we got to figure out exactly uh, what, what what kind of metal this is, how much, how many grams we're going to need to smelt. Jonathan the Magimuscular is actually going to kind of try and, and handle it and just like touch it and kind of get an idea from the tactile contact about about its nature. And then he, as soon as Carlton, you know, quickly puts it back, uh, Jonathan the Magimuscular is going to start, uh, he's going to say in the call, all right, that's a good call. We need to get to this to the Modrons right away. And we need to let Bernie know that this is also an option. Uh, but Jonathan the Magimuscular is going to kind of Do you of think huddle. she would approve? I don't know. We'll see. Uh, he's going to start sketching the amulet in, uh, in like a back page of his spell book so that he can, from, from his memory... Like every every little crevice and every little like like imperfection, he's gonna try and get from both sides. I, I'm really sorry. Do you guys listen to the Avengers? Uh, no, I know. No. I do. Okay, there's I'm a behind, most but I listen. recent episode where there's this whole thing about the back page of a notebook, and they're like, "Don't write on it." And I was just like, "He's you're." I couldn't remember. <laughs> what where that was from because they've done like a holiday thing recently and so you're like i'm writing in the back page and the only thing that came to my mind was no jonathan don't write on the back page of the spell <laughs> and then i was like wait i don't think that's from our game that sounds like it's from some combination of mcelroy yeah Sorry about that. I almost freaked out and told you to stop writing immediately. <laughs> Jonathan, I need you to roll me a history check as you examine this amulet real quick. Okay. So that's going to be a 19. Statistically, I could do better. 
I'm gonna. This is really important, though. Is it? Uh, yeah, I think it is. I'm gonna use a point of luck on that, and watch. It's gonna get worse. Got one worse. Okay, eighteen. Eighteen. Okay. So this amulet, it's very thin. It looks beat up. It is not something that looks like it was made by some master craftsman and is perfect in any way, shape, or form. It is about the size of your hand, so a little bigger than your palm, not Carlton's, but yours. On one side, there is a... It looks like a relief has been... You don't carve a relief. You create a relief. I don't know. I you don't know the metal. It, I guess. You stand, if it's yeah. metal, it might be that it was poured in relief. Yeah, you're not exactly sure if it was poured or how it was done, but it is, it is the um, the outline and the, the very basic image of the face of a devil, like a classic devil with the horns, with the evil eyes and everything. Not Yeah, and very, the very devil. cliche. <laughs> super cliche like you've seen the devil that like you talked to the devil that is responsible for Travancore's family and she looked nothing like this it's got some glyphs on it that you see are part of a spell and you know that this amulet can be used somehow to summon the devil and you think that the glyphs are part of that ritual but it's it's incomplete like you would have to do a little more research and you'd have to figure out a few other things in order to figure out what what is missing from this ritual. Nonetheless, that's not your area of expertise is summoning devils. Right. You turn it over and it is bloodstained. And at this point, a lot of the blood has either flaked off or, you know, worn a little bit. And it was bloodstained when you picked it up, when you took it off of Evelyn's body. There was something on the other side of this when you picked it up. You remember that. You don't remember what it said. In fact, you seem to remember that Travancore couldn't read it, which meant it was either not readable or not in a language he knew or there was something else going on. But you could swear there was something on the other side of this amulet and there it is blank. And yeah, otherwise it is just a... Uh, it's kind of a bronze color. You do think that it was maybe cast in iron, or it's an iron core with a bronze overlay on it, and it is a magical item. It is the the wear and tear in it. You get the sense were probably things that were there before it became a magical talisman, because at this point you you wouldn't be able to put a, a scratch or a dent into this amulet at all. Right. Okay. And uh, so we'll put it back and I'll be like, all right, so we have a couple more options on the table then. Uh, so good, good. But how hilarious would it be if when we letting, while we're doing our adventuring and the Modrons are trying to copy this thing, they accidentally summon a devil. Um. <laughs> that would not be funny. Although it did <laughs> give me a be thought. Like, beep, boop, beep, 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 beep. So this amulet is magical, right? Yes. I have literally created magical items. I yes. could enchant our copy to be something innocuous, like a, I don't know, an amulet of like quiet feet or, or something. I could even try and match the spell school. Like, I'm pretty sure this thing is a... Uh, Probably conjuration, right? Conjuration. So I could make a conjuration amulet so that if anyone did a uh, detect magic on, on our copy, then it would ping as conjuration. 
I I'm I love this idea, but like I said, options, which is you can maybe you can have uh, Professor Hotpants help you. Maybe I I mean uh, she's more of an enchanter. I was actually going to ask her about this new spell that I was going to try out, okay. and um, and any others that she might recommend, uh, and just to see my my professor because you know she's awesome. But let's uh, yeah, that's let's let's go to let's <laughs> let's rejoin Travancore and uh, we're moving on and. <laughs> <laughs> and check out the the mine and and do a little uh do a yeah, little we, we got to build our alibi. Yep. My favorite part of all this is that I misheard John when he was talking, and I totally thought he said uh, Professor Hot Pants. Oh, and I did. Now he did. Oh, okay. I thought he did. Yeah. Oh, I thought I, it was I hot lips, hot like hot lips hula hand. That's exactly um, where I went. I'm like, oh, I may have to change how she looks right now so that she, she looks. She look like Professor. Hula-Han. She now looks like Professor Hot Lips Hula Hand. Oh, dang! Absolutely, I, I it's a, a tiefling bit, version. Apparently. I had a bit of a crush on uh, on on Major Hula Hand, so. I, I liked her later in MASH when she became a lot more independent and much more like a, a very capable yeah, like in the uh, head yeah. nurse and, and not in the, so fawning. In the first part of the series, like she's just just kind of there. She's a yeah. fucking major in the army. Come on. Yeah, yeah you don't, second- I'm sorry. You don't get to be a major, especially as a like nurse <laughs> with during being incompetent. Yeah. She was always competent. She was just always fawning over a guy until about the second half where she went, I don't need no man. And then she became... Awesome. Speaking of people who don't need no man, Bernie and Carissa have made their way over to the overseer's office. But now I just want to talk about how <laughs> there was like this one episode where they like she really came into her character and they just did this like so beyond her time where she had to deal with being a hard ass to all the nurses that worked under her. Like some of the writing really, really misogynistic and not great, but there's a couple episodes that really do write by what it is to be a, f- a female in the workplace. So That's especially back then, yeah. No, yeah. I remember that episode where she breaks down because she's like, you know, I, I don't get invited to all your little soirees and I don't get yeah. invited to all these things, but that's fine because I'm in charge and I have that's what I have to do and that's what I have to give up. And then everybody realizes she has to be a hard like it's yeah. yeah, it's a really good episode anyway because we- she is a boss that she's afraid of. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, uh, that one's really good, and that one, go watch that one. I have no clue what it's called. There's a giant fucking catalog for you guys to wade through. Uh, exactly. But Mash is a great show, and in many ways they were beyond their time, and in other ways they were exactly where they were. So yeah, yeah. Or later episodes definitely are much better. Also, I uh, I have several D and D one shots that are based on episodes of Mash. So yeah, I've been running one recently. I'll run all for all of you. Well, hello there. I'm Russ Moore, your dungeon master from Dungeons and Dragons. We're a D&D 5th edition actual play podcast, and we're four friends who just love Dungeons and Dragons. Adventure, collaborative storytelling, laughing, and just hanging out with friends. Throughout season one, we play through the adventure module Rise of Tiamat from start to finish with some extra flavor thrown in the middle. Season two begins with new characters, new stories, and a whole lot more laughs. We're Dungeons and Dragons, and we hope you can join us every Wednesday for a new episode at dumbdragons.com and subscribe on your podcast app of choice. Until then, have a great week, and we'll talk soon. We here at Dungeon Drunks are huge fans of Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms. It's a Dungeons and Dragons strategy video game that brings together D&D characters from novels, adventures, and multiple live streams into a single grand adventure. It is so much fun to put together a formation that includes champions from Companions of the Hall, High Rollers, C-Team, Beyond Heroes, and more. 
I usually have the game running in the background while I edit audio for the show, and thanks to the fine folks who make Idol Champions, we're fortunate enough to be able to offer a free gold chest to all of our listeners. Now this week's code will expire on January 26th at 8pm Pacific, so open up the game, go to the shop, and type in this code. A-R-I-S-S-L-A-G-S-T-O-B. So use that code and then let us know on Twitter or Instagram what goodies you got. And now, enough of the loot drops, back to the show. We've got Bernie and Carissa headed to the overseer's office. You walk in the front door. I'm assuming there's nothing that you are saying as you walk on over, or was there something you wanted to say before you... Bernie was feeling particularly vindictive after the blue dragon comet, and she was gonna lean over and whisper, that's why you don't fuck with me, and just keep walking. (laughs) (laughs) You say that. Do you conjure up a microphone so you can drop it? Yeah. Carissa... She doesn't pause. She doesn't seem to respond. She just keeps walking, but she does not respond to you. That's good. That's good. So you can I do walk- an intimidation check with that? Because I feel like that was pretty intimidating. To- if you would like to try to intimidate her, sure. Because if last, like, just low key, like, this isn't like an active, like, in your face. This is one of those, like, you just had to deal with a conversation with the fact that we are low, we are on, um, we are we are in, we slide into the DMs of a blue dragon on the routine and am I any good at intimidation? You're probably pretty good. Your charisma is pretty good. I'm okay at it. Yeah, that's a ten. She doesn't seem intimidated, but you do notice she seems still distracted. Like you, you make this comment. She doesn't give you a look. She doesn't respond to it. She just continues to walk. Very important that I walked away first. That was part. Oh, uh, yeah. were you not walking towards the we office? We're walking we're- together, but Bernie moved first. It's part of the intimidation, Lauren. Oh, okay. It's All right, part so you of say that. this. Okay. So you, you say <laughs> this and walk away. And I let her follow uh, me to where I think we're supposed to go. Okay. And there's a moment because you don't know where you're going. But and where I walk you do, on purpose. You do. For for several you are you you have the swagger of somebody who knows that they just dropped the mic, but then also doesn't know where they're supposed to go afterwards. Uh so eventually you do pause long enough for her to catch up at least to lead where you're going. And so you catch enough of the the look on her face to see she's like distracted pissed. Oh, I like a distracted pissed. That's good. Yeah, she's not just, and it doesn't even really seem to be directed at you, um, but she is definitely upset. And you two reach what looks to you like just another one of these buildings, but uh, Carlton would probably recognize it as the office of the overseer. The front section that you just, uh, Carissa just opens the door and walks into is... It looks like a, a very simple office. Uh, it's got a desk over on the left side where there is a uh, a young man. It's hard to tell with dwarves how old they are, but he does seem to be on the, the young side, uh, dressed thickly in his furs, even though this office does have a fireplace going. He looks like he's sorting through a whole bunch of paperwork. He looks up and sees the two of you and says, Oh, hey, uh, you're going to talk to the overseer? And... Carissa nods and says, is she available? Is she with anybody? 
no, no, you could you could just go on in. She was kind of expecting you when she found out that you were here. So yeah, yeah. Well, whatever you need. You need me to uh, lock the door and not not let anybody in again? And she says, yes, please. I haven't had a chance to actually introduce anybody that's here to inspect the mines. And I'm going to be taking care of that now as quickly as possible. Thank you. And then proceeds to walk to the back door that she doesn't actually burst through, but she does take a moment to knock as you watch as this young dwarf heads over to the front door, jiggles it. You know how in really cold climates, sometimes doors don't really want to close or don't really want to lock or latch. He jiggles it enough to make sure that it is closed and then locks it and goes back to his desk. And from inside, you hear the now familiar voice of Overseer Van Walda Wyvernbane call out you know, uh, to come in. And you enter what is a small office area. It's got a desk and a couple filing cabinets on the left and a door leading off to a different part of the building on the right. Couple of windows and a very large fireplace. It's still very cold in here. It seems like this fire's maybe been going for just a little bit. The overseer is still in her leathers and furs and is standing behind the desk. Uh, you saw her briefly before. She's a very stocky woman, totally hairless. No hair on her head, no eyebrows, no no visible hair anywhere. She's got a, a darker complexion and deep brown eyes, but is seems to be smiling as you enter. And she says, it's good to see you. I... I saw you last night. We didn't really have a chance to talk before all the, the craziness happened. I don't think we were properly introduced. Uh, I'm the overseer here of Van Wilde Wyvern's Bane. Very nice to meet you. And she hold, she comes over to hold out a hand to you. Is she dwarf or is she like a human? She's a dwarf. Okay, that's what I was wondering. Um, that's nice. Uh, it's nice when everyone's your size, finally. Uh, uh, Bernie's going to hold out a hand and she's like, I'm Bernie. Nice to meet you. You can call me Bernie, though. Good, good to know. Good to know. And uh, Carissa, it's good to see you. You, you mind closing the door and uh, you, you can go ahead and, and lock it if you need. And Carissa nods to her, turns around, closes the door, locks it, and you hear a very distinct click. And as soon as you do, um, you watch as Venwalda kind of glances about and then looks back at you and says, so I'm going to guess that whatever happened yesterday with the friend who told us to stay out of the way is probably related to you and your friends. Now, before you speak, we, we got some wards on this room, and so nothing that's said in this room should leave this room, but it's uh, also good to know who you're telling what to when and be careful about where. So if you want to speak in circles, I'll understand. But also I might ask you some questions. You get me? Uh, yes, uh, totally understood. And she'll, while you compose yourself, offer you some seats at the desk and she'll go and sit herself. And it looks like she's got a pot of coffee there and she starts to pour some for all three of you. I almost called her Kendra. Because she never called her by her first name as a child. So, um, Carissa, do you have that um, lantern of yours? I do. It shouldn't be necessary here. And she looks back over at the overseer. The overseer says, if you're that concerned, I'm not going to... I'm not going to argue, uh, but... I'm not trying to be rude or make any comments on anybody's abilities, but it's been a day. I get that. I get that. No, the, you know, I can't hurt to do another sweep. 
Uh, they shouldn't even be able to come close to the windows, but... Yeah, it can't hurt to be super safe, right? In this case, no. It, it, it can only, only help. Carissa will take a moment, light the lantern, and she'll do a sweep of the room, and the room seems fine. She'll hold it out the windows, and out the windows do seem fine. And then she'll say, uh, give me a moment, I'll check the perimeter as well. It's only, it's still only this room and your bedroom that are warded, right? And the overseer nods and says, yeah, uh, we still haven't figured out a, a good excuse for why we'd need the front office done up. And Carissa unlocks the door and you hear that particular click again. And when that happens, almost on cue, as soon as she does that, the overseer looks back at you as Carissa leaves and she leaves the door open. The overseer says, yeah, it's been a while since we've had anyone inspecting the mines. I'd suspect that you're not going to find anything. You know, we've been very careful and cautious. Nothing's happened in the last couple of weeks since, you know, the last time that Carissa brought anyone here. But can't hurt to be super careful. You know, we are starting to get a little bit further north. And that's that's always a little bit of a danger as we get into the mountains. Oh, yeah, oh no. And I, honestly, if I mean, I, we can't we can't really say this out loud, but this is really root, a routine training inspection. We've got a new person in the group with us and we need to take him to several places. You all are on the map as being really honestly pretty above board uh, across all inspections and it's nice to show him a place like this where it looks correct you know what i mean like well i appreciate that we we do our best to be on the up and up you know but uh, yesterday was probably useful because i mean it, everything is going smoothly until something doesn't go smoothly uh so that's always a good learning experience yeah, yesterday was sad. I I still am trying to figure out exactly what, what happened. Uh, everybody here, you know, it's one thing to know you were affected by magic. It's another thing to not really feel it. And whatever that thing did to us, we, we don't exactly know what it did, but it doesn't feel like anything went wrong. But obviously something went, went super wrong. But that, that'll all be in the report. Yeah, I put it in the report, but we've got... um. Myself and one of my colleagues, we've got our uh, representational certificates for the um, well, yeah, health and safety, clearly. But um, we're in the sub special class subset of uh, spellcasting safety. Um, so if you could give us a few details, we could probably help you troubleshoot something like that. Because if you don't know what language to use in the report, they don't know how to fix a situation like this. And ideally, the fix here, well, it's really a prevention for next time. Knock on wood, there won't be a next time. But... And at this point, Carissa has returned. You see that she is snuffing the lantern as the door closes, as you finish this sentence. Do I hear a click? Oh, I wasn't sure if you were done. So if you're done, like as you finish your sentence, the door closes. She once again does the lock. It clicks. And then she looks back and nods at all of you and says, it seems to be clear as far as the lantern is concerned. And as I said, if the words are still good, they can't get in here at all with anything. So we should be safe. Actually, on that note, Tell me what happened from your point of view yesterday. Well, it's hard to tell from my point of view that that thing, I don't know what, do you know what that thing was? I did a check, right? I know what it is. You don't know specifics, but you do know it was a fiend in general. None of you know exactly what it is, but 
Um, and it was the only one that you saw. You have a very, very vague description of the things that uh, attacked the guards. Um, but that's about it. We have a good idea. It was definitely a fiend, but I'm pretty sure you could tell that. And uh, we didn't see what attacked your guards. We talked to them, but they didn't see what attacked them. So anything that you remember is helpful. And I'll, I'll talk. I really do have a colleague who spell casts. So I can talk to him. And once we're gone, there's no reason for this thing to come back to hurt you guys. Well, it's good that you think that. But definitely in my line of work, you... You never, you never can be sure. And I'm the only one who even knows that everybody here is in our line of work. So it's not like I can do very much to warn everybody if there's much going on. As far as I know, and reports are starting to come in. So we got a couple reports that there were a couple of, a couple of my, I know a couple people got killed and we're, we're taking care of them. And a couple people saw it happen. But even the ones that saw it happen, this thing came out of apparently nowhere and then just said, I don't remember the specifics, but something like we suggest you go sit in that building for a little while until it's clear. Some something like that. It seemed to make a lot of sense. It was obviously magic. It was obviously something to make us all get out of the way. I guess I'm glad that the thing didn't say, I suggest you all go jump off a bridge or something. I don't know. But we all thought it was a good idea, despite the fact that it was the beginning of a work day to go huddle in one of the, the barracks for the whole day. And then the next thing we knew, you were all here and everything seemed to be okay again. But that's about it. Uh, there was there was the two that were killed that were they looked vicious and quick. And that's about it. What could what could, I'm trying to think what kind of check Bernie could make. That would help her figure out if there is like, so in, this is in my head, basically the idea behind this is either she knows what gets cast on them and she can make a suggestion, um, given that there might not be a next time with this thing, but they are literally guarding the only place to destroy some pretty high level magic evil shit. So this guy might not return, but somebody else with the same kind of power might. Yeah. So I guess what I want to know is what kind of role could she do to figure out if A, like what this spell is, but B, even if she can't figure out the spell, I think what she wants to figure out if there is information that is there but missing. I mean, basically a spell that's like, I suggest you go do this and on that, like, I think suggestion is a spell. There's like, there, yeah. And try I'll not say, to meta game though. Uh-huh. No, 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 and uh, and I'll I say think to you've help- seen Jonathan the Magic Muscular cast that spell. Yeah, not only have you seen Jonathan cast it, um, you would have talked a little bit about it last night. So that was okay. one of the things you were preoccupied with Travancore at the time, but Jonathan was able to figure out that this was some sort of mass suggestion, which you are not terribly familiar with, but you do know that is a spell. You do know that. This I will have you roll Arcana on, but you do know there is a spell called Suggestion, and you do know there's a mass version of it. Go ahead and roll Arcana. Oh, guys. Okay, I get none bonuses. Well, maybe you'll roll high. I did. See? Yeah. I got an 18. Okay. So my other thing with this is kind of, it's this, I think we've talked about, like, the idea that with one of, well, they, Jonathan and, and Carlton have talked about it. 
yes. uh, with certain things like the memory spell, greater restoration, different remove curse, all these things. There are things Bernie has that can restore that memory. And I guess her question with the suggestion is, does it seem like there would be a suggestion to forget something like, oh, forget that you saw me, forget who I am, forget identifying information. Is there anything that can be done? Or is this just a suggestion that once it's been fulfilled and he's gone, there's nothing to be recovered? So there's two different things here. You think that not only is this some sort of mass suggestion, but this wasn't a memory modifying one. You think with Van Wolde saying that this guy just basically said, I suggest you go over there and stay there. You think that was literally the suggestion. He managed to tell a large group of dwarves and use this spell to magically convince them that it was a good idea to follow his suggestion, which was to walk away and go hang out there. So you you don't think anyone's memory in this case was actually modified. Whether that spell could let you do something like that, like, hey, forget I was here, you're unsure of. That's something you'd have to talk to Jonathan about. But you're pretty sure with the description that's been given of what these dwarves, what this creature told these dwarves, the the spell may have been incredibly powerful, but the order was was super simple. And you do know with that spell, if you cast it as a high enough level, so usually with that spell, it's go do the thing that I suggest you do. And once you're done, you're done. If you cast it at a high enough level, they'll keep doing it for longer and longer. And, you know, just kind of like that geese spell, the higher level you cast it at, the more, the longer they'll continue to follow the suggestion. Okay. Well, um... Good news is I don't think you've lost any time or memory. I mean, you lost time sitting there, but honestly, I don't think you lost anything else, which is pretty lucky. You got mass suggested really well, given the amount of people involved. There's not anything we can really do in the aftermath of it. Well, in this case, I'm not as concerned about I mean, I'm concerned about my people, but it seems like everybody's okay except for the, the, the two unfortunates, and we'll take care of them. And I'm not expecting you to come on in here and, and do anything for them. They're, as far as everybody outside of this room is concerned, they're miners, and miners live dangerous lives, and we're in a dangerous part of the world, and their families will be taken care of. The concerns I have are over you and your friends, and uh, Carissa, and whether this is still something that we can even attempt to do, or if you need to turn around and go home. Because whatever it is you're going to take care of, it sounds to me like this thing is after it. And that makes it important. That also makes it dangerous. And uh, our job, the ones of us that protects the place you're going to, is to protect it. And in the long run, that's more important than whatever it is that you have, as far as I know, unless you can tell us otherwise. So I don't want to turn you away, but this moment, I'm afraid if you're getting hunted by someone, right now it knows you have it. And as far as I can tell, that's all it knows. It doesn't know anything about where you're going or what you're doing or what's there when you get there. And my job is to keep that that way. As far as we know, it has no clue. I think I, I have to talk to my colleagues. And Carissa speaks up at this point. 
we know it thinks that you're trying to destroy it because that's what it was trying to get out of us was that your friend Travancore wouldn't destroy it. Yes. And now it's sort of gotten that. It would be pretty bad if this thing stayed around. How how bad? Because we're talking about the security of one of the most powerful objects in the known universe, as far as we know, of course. I, well, the crumbling of an entire nation state, kind of bad. Kind of bad. Kind of bad. How about the crumbling of a god? And Bernie Spiller almost went, not my god. <laughs> um, not my god, not my problem. <laughs> I think the reason that our friend who made the promise is not with us is because I think it would be best if we found a way to convince him that we actually are going home and that we destroy this without him knowing it. Well, I'll leave that up to you. I don't know how you're going to manage to do that and still go to where you need to go to destroy it without leaving him behind, but... Well, there's... I'm sure... I'm sure Jonathan's working on that. But how long does it take to get there? What kind of journey are we looking at? From here, it's it's not a long journey. It's a, about a 12-hour, but it's not fun. It is underground. It is... Once you start, there's no stopping. There's no... You, as far as everyone is concerned, you disappear from the face of this planet. It's And Carissa speaks up at this point and goes, the entire way is shielded, just like the location that we're going to. Uh, so we'll prevent scrying, we'll prevent teleportation. Uh, outside of this room, this is the last place you'll be able to send messages. Any Any magical means of getting inside, and even some physical ones that I know of, won't be able to get inside the tunnel. It'll take about 12, 12 hours to travel there. We'll get to the door, and then we'll get you inside, and it's the same thing. The temple itself is guarded in all the same ways. So once we leave here, if there's anybody tracking you, us, them, as far as they're concerned, you will disappear from this plane of existence, practically. You will not be able to go or do anything until you leave either the the tunnel or the actual castle so at that point you need to be prepared for any of the consequences and if this creature still thinks that you know i don't i don't know if whatever compulsion that travancore is under is going to prevent this creature from being able to get to you but it might still know if it gets destroyed and also there's no other paths leading from there once you enter that tunnel you're going to the temple are we going out and back or is there carissa and van wolda look at each other for a moment and carissa nods to van wolda and van wolda says no the the entrance is in the other room it's in my personal quarters because if anything's made it that far they probably already know what's happening and these are the only two places in the camp that are completely warded. Interesting. <sighs> okay, I think we can do this. And I think we can throw whoever is doing it off the scent. I think we have to do it. I think you have to do it because, as I said, unless I have assurances that this thing isn't still tracking you or actively tracking you, uh, I can't let you in because 
This is just a threat. This is just... Well, there's nothing tracking us right now. No, not right now, but the thing knows you're here. And and as far as from what Carissa said, it knows that you want to destroy this thing. And so it's going to be looking for you to go somewhere from here, or it's going to think that however you were going to destroy it is here. So unless you turn around and leave, and even then it's probably going to follow you wherever you're going... It's going to be watching. It's going to be waiting. It's going to be looking to see, are you following your your directive or are you going to go destroy this thing anyway? And if you drop off the face of the planet, it's going to know. It might not know how or where, but it's going to start looking. And it's going to look here. I don't think I should make this decision on behalf of the group, but... That's fair. can't not destroy it, and I'm not going to climb all the way back down in the snow just to fight it down there. Well, if you need to fight it, I can get everybody out of the way for you, so you don't have to climb all the way back down. But I'd like a little bit of warning before you do. I think we can give you that. That'd be helpful. I, I don't need I don't need my, my people to be suggested to get out of the way. They're just hard-working miners. We'll get them out of the way. Okay. Well, in that case, um, I'll see what I can do. That's all we can do. Keep me informed. Meanwhile, I'll I'll give Carissa some paperwork for y'all to fill out and tell your friends to just mill about the she knows what to do, but basically you're you're just here observing. You don't even really have to go into the mines. No one's gonna pay attention to you as long as you're not doing anything suspicious. And she hands some paperwork <laughs> like cut back to Jonathan with three and three animals and... doing something suspicious. Right? I was literally, <laughs> literally. So unless you have anything else to say, she hands over some paperwork to Carissa that you can easily see is just like boring documentation stuff and will lead you on back out. And as she leads you out, she'll be talking about boring mind stuff nothing special she'll be basically going over their schedule for the week and it's the same schedule over and over again meanwhile cut back to travancore who's being followed by three animals well no he's not being followed he's being followed by a bear and a a dog uh, with a monocle he's got an owl on his shoulder and is writing in preconomese over and over and over again more stuff mind stuff mind stuff more stuff more (laughs) mind stuff once in a while Bucks is is will look over in Travancore and nod and then look back and then look <laughs> over and nod and look back. And Travancore, you have wandered in, in an attempt to give privacy to your friends and also understanding what's going on. You've wandered away from the trees that they have decided to go pee behind and have made your way through some of the buildings. And you just happen to have stepped out back into the big snowy clearing where the encounter happened just yesterday, just in time to see in the middle of the clearing a flash of light and a of very there's a percussive noise like the the movement of air suddenly but nothing too sudden before you stands a tiefling woman in outrageous red and blue garb she is a kind of light purple almost a lavender skin she's got two large horns that curl up and back over a big bush of curly black hair and she's wearing these ostentatious robes and then on top of that has this giant white fur coat that looks like it's two sizes too big for her 
I don't know if that's on purpose or not. And um, she's got both hands in her pockets. Wait, is she final Pam? (laughs) (laughs) She just kind of appears. The coat is long enough that it's actually dragging on the ground in the snow. You uh, actually watch as the snow around her melts a little bit. And you see a little bit of... As she land, as she appears, and she throws open her her hands at nobody, as far as you can see, like there's nobody within sixty feet of her, and she says, "Darlings, I'm here." Oh, I like her. Hello, Professor Wood, I presume. Yes, and she struts over to you and holds out a hand to be kissed and says, "It is so nice to meet a fan." I didn't know there'd be fans here. Hello, can I? Who who are you, and how can I thank you? And Travancore, take your hand. Happy for once to meet somebody who's happy to have their hand kissed, because almost no one he's met ever has. Will you know? We'll risk the third to be Vernon and, and peck her head just ever so gently to make sure that he doesn't hurt himself too much, because he's run into teeth things before. She's wearing gloves. She's wearing. Oh, well, then even better. Then I'm fine. She's wearing like thick leather gloves with that. The really useless fur around the cuff. Um, okay. So yeah, you you peck her hand. She removes it in in a very the. It's not dainty. It is obviously theatrical. This is somebody who's putting on a show for you. But she's got this giant grin with these, you know, tiny little canines that have the little points on them. And she looks you in the eyes and says, "And, and who are you?" Oh, I am Travancore, Ambassador General of Bracanum. Hey, Bucks, why don't you go get Jonathan? And she she eyes Bucks as he flies away and says, John, ah, so yes, I made it to the correct mine. <gasps> oh, lovely. I wasn't in charge of the teleportation. And sometimes that goes a little wrong. So I've got a little bit of time. And I did want to see him. What an adorable owl. Are all of these creatures yours? And she immediately kneels down and starts to hold out her hands to Bucks. Or not to Bucks. She holds out her hands to Cocos Newt and Shadow to be sniffed. And in kind of that that I'm being careful about somebody else's pets greeting. Sure, sure. But she continues to, even as she does that and they come up to sniff, she continues to go, They're yeah. lovely. You, you travel with an entourage, I see. I'm so impressed with Jonathan's new friends. I've, I've taken to calling them the animal menagerie. They are. They're lovely. And once, Bernie, you can tell me how Coco Snoot. Uh, responds, but Travancore, how does Shadow respond to this tiefling woman holding out her hand to him? Yeah, Shadow, you know, is going to respond positively. Like, I think he likes a ham, he likes his show, he uh, he knows that Travancore is trying to be a good host, so he's going to play up to that a little bit and, and be the bear on his best behavior. He, like, I think he's he's in full sh- show bear mode. Oh, yes, absolutely. And Bernie, how about Coco Snoot? Uh, Coco Snoot is uh, at war with his dignitas. Um... <laughs> Because he knows what Bernie says about decorum. <laughs> so he's going to uh, politely sniff her hand and lean his head in to let her pet him. Uh, since both animals will accept the pet, she will uh, left hand scritch behind one ear while right hand scritching behind the other, going right for the spots that most animals love. And she's going to go, they're lovely! 
probably they're probably vicious too. Ah, oh, hmm. aren't you so vicious? I am so impressed by your viciousness. And then she'll stand back to you and say, Ambassador General, what what an exciting uh so you should tell me all about it. And she hooks her hand into your elbow, kind of with one fluid movement, and says, Why don't you uh, tell me all about where you are from as we go find my former student, who I'm sure has got so many more stories to tell me. And we will move in a JMM-worthy direction while uh, Travancore gives a sort of tourist spiel of Bracanum. All of, you know, the, 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 safer, the safer public consumption parts of their history. She is, as far as you can tell, enraptured. She's doing enough looking about to keep a uh, a general eye on her surroundings. But even though she is locked elbows with you and is walking arm in arm, she is like eye contact with you the whole way, um, as uh, nodding at everything that you're saying. And it isn't until Jonathan and Carlton come within view that she even. She even stops for a moment and pauses and then she sees the two of you and she sees Jonathan and she finally lets go of Travancore and says, Jonathan! Hey, Professor. And she struts forward and gives you a hug. Uh, he hugs her, gives her a big hug right back and uh, does one of those hugs where like you hug him, but then as you part, you kind of are still holding their hands and like... Ah, it's great to see you. Ah, yeah. Hi. It is lovely to see you. And who's your friend? And she turns. She's still holding your hand with one hand as she then indicates Carlton with the other. And her cloak is like in, is still like hanging off a half of you because this big fur coat that she's wearing is just massive. She looks over at Carlton. And, and your friend? I'm QT. Oh, aren't <laughs> you? She holds out her other hand for you to kiss. Uh, I, I kiss it. I go, friends call me Carlton. Oh, well, then I will call you QT until I know you better. Oh, Jonathan, <laughs> you're hanging out with all of impressively sized, impressively peritonaged, just impressive people in general. And, and the animals that you have, haven't you done well for yourself? I'm so proud. Well, yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to think that success is measured in who you keep company. And, uh, and we're we're missing we're missing one of our member. Uh, she's she's talking to uh, the head honcho of the mine, but she'll be back. She is equally as impressive. I'm sure if the quality of any of you these that I've met so far are half as impressive as she is, then this will be quite the day. Uh, I do only have the day. I'm so sorry. I've been out of free time for so long, and I do have to get back before this evening. There's a performance that I've been dying to see, and I, I promised Sebastian that I would be there tonight. And if I go tomorrow when it's not opening night, he'll just be devastated so i only have oh until the sun goes down or so uh, and then i can contact my contact to get me contacted back to neverwinter and that should be that should be easy though i can't imagine that there's anything that you couldn't handle that the two of us couldn't figure out in you know a brief amount of time and bernie about this time is when you and carissa appear and you see your friends standing around this lavender tiefling in a gigantic overcoat of white um holding jonathan's hand as she is 
it she's doing that thing and where she's talking to all three of them but lingering on Jonathan a little bit longer but she's being a a good conversationalist and where she's doing the thing and where she is including everybody and you walk over just as she is finishing up with I'm sure whatever problems you have we can get figured out in no time it'll be easy and if not you'll all just come back with me to Neverwinter and then it'll be fantastic and we'll go see Sebastian tonight he's doing this most incredible opera oh he makes me cry every time and when the fairy fire is lit up it's amazing do i do i recognize the name sebastian no okay and bernie you walk up at this point hi it sounds amazing oh hey professor Houlihan, right Oh, my dear. No, uh, my name is Professor Wood, but it is lovely. Lime must be the person that they were all waiting on. She comes over and she offers you a hand. And Bernie's going to hold out her hand. She says, I'm Bernice. You can call me Bernie. Oh, it is very lovely to meet you. Uh, you are also impressively dressed. I was just commenting on my little Jonathan just doing so well out in the world. And she. Jonathan the Magic Muscular has the biggest grin on his face right now. He's just like. <sighs> Bernie's going to say, Well, some of us uh, chose religious professions that actually let you maintain a sense of style. <laughs> and it's, it's so clearly a dig at everything. <laughs> She is, she laughs with you and says, listen, some people are just flamboyant and some people actually have style with their flamboyance. And then there are those of us who just borrow a coat that three sizes too large. And she like puffs up her chest and holds out her arms. And you can now all see the reason this coat, it's, she borrowed this coat from like a Goliath. It's massive on her. You know, it's lovely. The oversized look is in. Um, Can you tell me something? I don't mean to pry or assume things please pry and assume that's so much fun it is um fun oh it's gonna be a fun day guys um you taught drama drama at his school Uh, a little bit so i specialized in some of the more uh, pedantic magics i believe jonathan was in most of my enchanter courses but uh the other half is i i tend to specialize in teaching bards how to control their more flamboyant style into something that can actually be useful outside of being entertaining and so that's that's a little bit of of where i'm coming from but i it's no wait let me let me get to the point you're not a those who can't do teach kind of person right you're sort of a those who can do do but also maybe teach people you've got like you know you're pretty good in a fight uh in a fight i wouldn't say so no but when it comes to uh, avoiding a fight i'm very good at convincing those that would do me harm that they should Go do something else. You know, that might be very useful. And she's going to look at the group and say, we have a problem. Well, that's why I'm here, darlings. I'm here to solve all your problems. And with that, we'll pause. (laughs) And the next time we get together, I'll say that you will either have recast Rari's telepathic bond or have found a private place to talk uh, or one of those two. So it's it's going to be up to you. But you all r- understand you need a private place to talk. And the bunch of you can chat about what you want to do next. But let me give you some experience for mind stuff. And mind stuff. And, and mind stuff. For I- interesting conversations behind a tree. 
um, which, yeah, that's fun, for a much more serious conversation in person with the Overseer, and for Travancore finally having someone that he could properly kiss a hand for, I'm going to give you a total of 7,600 experience to split between the four of you. And the next time we get together, we will still be in the camp. Your former teacher is here. There's some things that need to be decided on, and uh, we'll see what happens next. Thanks for listening to our adventure. If you've enjoyed our show, visit us at DungeonDrunks.com for links to all of our social media, pictures and bio of our cast, a full list of credits, and more. We'd appreciate it if you left us a review, and we would love it if you come support us on Patreon. Visit Patreon.com slash DungeonDrunks to sign up. Thanks again, and we'll see you next encounter. We appreciate all of our patrons, and extend a special thanks to our Artifact and Wondrous Tier patrons. Thank you Megan, Christopher Waterston, Linnea Boyev, Lori, aka Calamity Jane, Sir Narvi and Sailor Tweak, and Hunted Shadows, LLC.